Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, a podcast series that explores financial complexities and modern strategies for the discerning investor. Brought to you by Ropan Financial Services. Now to our host. Hello, and welcome to Conversations on Wealth, presented by Ropan Financial Services. My name is John Calabro, and I'm the host of this series. I'm joined today by the directors of Ropan Financial Services, Rodney Gillum and Jason Panazzo-Tile. How are you going, guys? Good, John. Thanks for having us back. Yeah, good to have you back, Rodney. Yeah, g'day, John. Yeah, good to be in and been a busy morning. Off to the gym this morning and off to the podiatrist. That's <laughs> <No>, all <laughs> happening. Thanks. Yeah, well, it is a Friday, so yeah, assuming you're not that far off jumping back on the boat, mate, and letting it all go. Yeah, maybe. I don't think the weather's that good this weekend. I think my wife wants to go down to a market down in sale. Oh, yeah. And of course, given the current times, it's more of a farmer's market than a apparel market. So, well, we'll just have to work with that. Might be able to cast your boat in there at the port of sale, could you? Just get out for a, for a few uh, a few a few hours out on the boat. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe we got school holidays next week, so. Yeah, we check the weather and we might hold back for a couple of days, maybe down at Cows, maybe later next week, John. So, yeah, it's good. Very good. Look, guys, um, today's topic is uh, around the theme of what constitutes a quality financial advisor. And so you can say that a number of ways, you know, what what does it take to be a good financial advisor? Uh, what separates quality advisors from the rest? Uh, you know, and, and how does that change in the modern era, potentially? Um Oh, look, every industry, everyone has an opinion on what's good or bad. I'm sure if you go to any pizza restaurant, they're going to say that their pizza is the best. And uh, we get enough of it in the office, John. <laughs> Jackson <laughs> definitely thinks he's number one, but you know. <laughs> and we've got young, young Scott coming through as well, and he's doing really good. Oh so um, yeah, there's plenty of competition in the office. Isn't Healthy there? competition is always good. Good. Well, this is it. You, we want to drive ourselves as professionals to be better in every way, don't we? But I don't think I've ever worked in a job where we didn't look down our noses at the competitors and sort of say, well, they're not doing that right or we're not doing this right. So financial advice is no different. And um, I guess that's what we want to talk about today is that there must be, you know, egos aside, my business, your business aside, there must be a, a, a common denominator where, yes, this is what constitutes good advice, good practice. If you're going to go see someone in your industry, for example, if you're going to go get some financial advice, what should you be doing? John, it is Friday. This is pretty heavy for a Friday. <laughs> we'll keep it light, I promise. We might need another coffee <laughs> and the producer get the coffee machine going. All right. So, look, before we get into that, and um, I'll let your caffeine kick in, Rodney, so you can wake up to, to, to the podcast vibes that we're trying to chase here. Um, let's just have a bit of a recap of, of our first podcast prior, which covered the theme of, uh, you know, is financial advice good for me? How did you guys go? Did you were you happy with how we went? You know, did you get some good responses? I think we had some good responses, John. Quite a few clients actually rang through, providing some feedback on what they listened to, some of the topics we spoke about, and uh, found it quite interesting. If anything, just reconfirming the direct, the direction they're taking. Yeah, I actually spoke with some guys that are in more the corporate side of wealth management, and. Um, yeah, one of the association groups which have around 1,200 principals within their network and, yeah, they really liked it. They Apparently they mentioned that they listened to the whole thing, so that's that's pretty positive. And um, I think amongst their network of 1,200 advisors, I don't think they've got anybody that's done a podcast. 
Um, there's definitely been some YouTube clips, um, maybe a little bit more product focused, so on different investments and shares and and getting fund managers in. But yeah, nothing as a pure podcast. So oh, it's good. It's interesting. Yeah, taking good. you to the platform, Rodney. Sorry, taking you to the platform. Which one? YouTube. <laughs> YouTube's <laughs> next. That's it. Spotify. Whatever. Whatever you. Whatever sort of tickles your boat, I suppose. But look, um, I may have heard an anecdote that someone couldn't get past 11 minutes of the podcast. So, uh, look, hopefully we can reel him in a bit longer this time around. Yeah, I think he's shorter attention span, but maybe. But that's okay. <laughs> At least people are prepared to have a listen. And, yeah, there's definitely – well, I'm hearing from the younger guys, younger business owners, um, a builder actually, he said a lot of his mates basically go to sleep on a podcast at night. So – it's obviously in vogue for certain segments. Um, it's definitely yeah. a good format, I think, and there's so many topics out there. So hopefully this, these topics and this advice that you guys are sort of sort of putting out into the airwaves is going to be useful for somebody. And look, I, I suppose we put the invitation out there. If you are listening and you don't know Rodney and Jason, you know, feel free to reach out. Um, you can contact them through their website, ropan.com.au. That's R-O-P-A-N.com.au. And look, get in touch, start the conversation, and, you know, there's no obligation. It's just good to hear and hear from who who's out there and who's listening and you know keep the chat going yeah no things are definitely changing aren't they in you know in terms of the physical presence versus the online space and we mentioned yesterday we had a a principal of a a law firm down in east gippsland come on board as a client yesterday and that was all through the zoom process and and they actually mentioned they they love the format not just for the dealings with us but for their own clients and so there's definitely a change in the in the wind, and I think there'll be efficiency from it. And um, yeah, I think it's you know we'll talk about it a little bit more coming up. But the idea around consent and you know the days of I guess smoozing clients, be it taking them to a game of footy or or whining and dining, you know, at the moment they're over. So you've got to win people's trust and confidence on your actual ability, don't you? So, well, I don't know about you, but. You know, I could have the option of taking someone out for a, a fine wine and a dine, or I could sit there in my pajamas and have my kids run around behind me on a Zoom camera, embarrassing me. I mean, surely that's the option I want to be chasing. Yeah, yeah, it's a good look, isn't it? Oh, uh, really good. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, challenging times, but there's definitely opportunity um, within it for sure. So, you've either got to embrace it or, or just I guess hide from it. I suppose. Well, look, it's a nice little segue into, I guess, the next uh, topic I just wanted to cover off is, um, you know, state of the world, state of play, how things have changed since our last podcast. I think last time we, we caught up, Doge was flying and, um, uh, you know, these these sort of startup fledgling uh, digital coins, e-coins were going to take over the world and um, Doge has settled. But I think Bitcoin's picked up and Ethereum sort of picked up a little bit and we've seen some sense and sensibility come back to the the e-coin space so um what else guys you know anything that's picked up your i guess uh you know caught your attention since we caught up last see your eyebrows raised here there must be something controversial i'm waiting for jason (laughs) to jump in i will jump in john i I noticed watching the f1 grand prix the other night daniel ricardo had his first win uh for mclaren and um yeah, that's created a lot of excitement amongst Australians and, and motorsport fans. But what I noticed was the advertising around the track. I think it was crypto.com had had banners everywhere. And it's just amazing where cryptos come as, I guess, a medium of exchange or an investment. 
or a storehouse of, of, of asset value. But yeah, it's interesting. I'll, I'll throw in maybe a little bit off the crypto side, a local business that, that went to market to the ASX and listed about 18 months ago, Aussie Broadband. Um, it's a stock I got on around about nine months ago. And um, yeah, I think their revenue for the year is up around 80%. And they've just done a capital raise. I think they've raised $100 million dollars the idea behind that is so they can develop some of their own physical hardware networks. And I think the idea behind that, it will save them around $15 million in in fees um, in terms of that infrastructure. So that'll, that'll go straight to the bottom line in terms of their EBITDA. So we saw their share price jump from around $2.80 up to just under $5 in recent weeks. Um, I know we were speaking to the producer about Aussie a few weeks back and so that's that's a great story that's coming out of gippsland and their market caps up around eight nine hundred million dollars so not far off a billion dollars so that's a really you know, it's a great story and it shows the value of um you know equities and obviously backed by a company that actually does something that generates revenues generates profits over time will pay dividends so that's probably you know a little talking point um, for today well in terms of confidence in in cryptocurrencies the name of the country escapes me but i think it was only this week that we saw one of those southern american countries pick up bitcoin as legal tender so you can actually go down the street now and pay for your coffee and you know i think it's actually a, an official currency now in, in that country which uh you know what what kind of ramifications would that have around here do you think if, if australia was to pick that up it's an unknown, John. It's uh, it's interesting the way that these things sort of evolve and, and eventually penetrate into the local market. But if you're asking the, the question in regard to everyday transactions versus the longer-term consequences, obviously uh, there's a bit of territory to cover. But there's no doubt, touching on the point that Rodney mentioned earlier on, or, or yourself, in regard to the online sector, uh, this is part and parcel of things going online and people looking for alternatives in the marketplace whether it's to settle a transaction, whether it's to invest in, in the next opportunity uh, or to broadcast their business. Uh, it's just, it's the sign of the times, it's, it's, it's the trend we're going through and, uh, and in that there's going to be ample opportunity, be it in Aussie broadband that Rodney's just mentioned or in other aspects in regard to everyday life. Um, so I think even though we're going through a period of disruption, there's also some level of continuity and that is people are looking for opportunities. They are looking at ways of doing things differently, either in running their business or investing. Absolutely. And it's it's really ultimately only a good thing, I think, you know, this sort of reinvention or, or uh, this, you know, it's, it's effectively the green sprouts of opportunity after the, after the, you know, the turmoil, isn't it? All right, guys, so why don't we switch our focus back to the today's theme now? And, um, you know, I'll just pose that question straight to you. You know, what's involved in maintaining high standards of advice? Uh, what comprises a, a quality advisor? And, and maybe the, the way we, we start this question is, you know, um, how, how, how do people become an advisor to begin with? Like, we, you know, you guys have obviously been through that process. You know, tell us about some of the, um, the stories, you know, of how people have become advisors in the past. Things have definitely changed, John, um, over the years. Jace and I are both university um, qualified with bachelors of business from back in the 90s now and then we completed postgraduate qualifications in financial planning um, 
but along the journey we we had staff come on board and we brought them up through the system but more through a diploma system and they're able to get their authorities that way um so it was good good for for staff that hadn't had a university background so you know they came into the industry some did some did um remember ben mclennan who's now down in geelong he he had a degree in hr but um so he come through through that way just on that rodney while you're talking about you know some of the different differences there tell us about some of those educational standards i understand you can now get a degree in financial planning and you mentioned earlier that you could get diplomas i'm assuming assuming once upon a time you could probably shake someone's hand and they'd take it take you through the papers over lunch, you know, and maybe that would have been enough, you know, a while back. So tell us about the different types of education. Um, that, that it's definitely changed now. You have to have a university qualification that's centred around financial planning. So even the Bachelor of Business is a broad, broad offering. That's not good enough now. It needs to be a Bachelor of Financial Planning. So there's definitely been a big changeover and, and we've seen that in our own practice with staff coming through doing that specific degree before they can get an authority to, to give advice. And I guess it goes without saying, but surely this is going to result in a better standard of, of advice for customers. It's definitely slowed the process down. I know Nick within our business at the moment, it's it's taking him a couple of years to work through that process, but sure, you know, being in the practice, learning the admin processes um, down pat, the the planning process, you know, developing the statements of advice, it, it's definitely going to provide a more solid um, backdrop to, to giving advice themselves. If I was to um, chase some controversy and dig for some dirt here, tell us about some of the cowboy stories from the past. Careful. Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> I think the big point to note in this, John, the, the profession itself has gone from one of representing a company and pushing a particular product ah, yes, yep. to being a learner profession and giving advice. Yes, and yep. the two parallels are, are completely different. Mm. And therefore, the engagement process with the client, the level of input in regard to how you advise has changed considerably. And this, this has really come about by the the, um, the law economic reform program, which started back in 2004. So the journey itself uh, has been long-winded, uh, but it's it's well and truly overdue, and financial advising as such now is a learned profession. I suppose that's, um, you know, it's good. it's good for anyone out there who may be a little bit sceptical of what a financial advisor might be, and perhaps through the past, you know, if there was that, that sort of advisor just pushing one product and knowing they can get great commissions off it, blah, blah, blah. That would have tainted the industry. But now they're really working hard. It sounds like they're working pretty successfully to, to um, flush that out. Yeah, pretty much. And, and look, the, the bottom line is it's about the client and advising in the best interest of the client. And that's what drives the overall motivation. That's what drives the overall professional evolution and ultimately the advice that you provide. Yep, excellent. So the standards are a lot higher now it would be safe to say than they were five years ago 10 years ago 20 years ago yeah there's no doubt we know now they're through the consent process clients to be an ongoing or certainly a 12-month client need to sign off a consent form every year uh, where we send out what's called a fee disclosure statement uh, showing what what the fees are, are and likely to be over the next 12 months and the client signing off that they'd like to engage in the service for the coming the coming year whereas previously once a client came on board um, 
they would pay an ongoing fee previously it was a commission and then obviously it moved to an advisory service fee and now it's kind of changing again to more of a 12 months structure that's that's consented each year and and that is obviously going to ensure that the clients that are paying for a fee uh, for a service are actually going to get a service and then if they feel they're not getting service correctly they can can withdraw that consent or certainly not re re-engage for that next 12 months would, th- would there be any advisors out there now or any financial consultants still just claiming commissions pushing that product doing it the old way or have things changed have those sort of practices been really ruled out now yeah it's a good it's a good question i mean it's we've moved away from commissions uh, a few years ago and it's only been recently that ongoing commissions that were grandfathered have actually been taken away so you know even you know groups like ourselves we had some products like annuity products and maybe some you know banking account products that had small commissions they've they've gone so but you know the profession as jason said it's had plenty of time to transition and get used to the changes and um i think the next stage of this this consent process there will be some disruption but longer term it'll mean that the clients that are on board as an ongoing and a longer term um, relationship with the advisory firm they'll be really committed to the process whereas I think in the past you know clients might have come on board but then over time you know life gets busy you know with family and all sorts of different things and issues you know sometimes the momentum of that relationship drops off so at least going forward those that are committed to the relationship will will be in and will get you know service and and rewarded for that those that drop off in terms of their engagement then at least they won't be paying for a service they're not receiving i um i suppose if i come back to the question around what's involved maintaining high standards of advice you know what you've just talked about there is you know good personal relationships and knowing the advisor knowing the family knowing the um, the situation the entire situation of of the people you're advising so um you know is that something you guys have found works has worked for you in the course of your careers uh, definitely and it comes down to really engaging the clients who understand what their needs are and providing the advice based on their needs especially so, the ones that make good coffee and biscotti juice <laughs> goes without saying <laughs> but it removes all the conflict of interest it puts the best interest duty forward and it ensures the client that there is a process that you undertake in regard to transparency, trustworthiness, honesty, competency, all those type of issues that you've alluded to uh, from the outset of this podcast. Would you guys have a handful of clients you've you know advised on and off 20 years plus you know since the beginning of your career, that type of thing? Yeah, no doubt, definitely. no doubt. We're, we're definitely seeing a multi-generational process where where clients are now setting up trust for their for their family and to start to transfer those assets down it might be holiday homes farming land there's no doubt we, we would probably be third generational with some of the clients definitely it's scary isn't it yeah yeah definitely i was just trying to think about one of the um points we spoke about at the last podcast that building the wealth protecting it transitioning it so what rodney's saying is we really in that transition space now across the client engagement the advice that you give who you're giving the advice to and what it means for the family assets it's got to be better it's got to be better for those family members and and i guess you know their next of kin to know that someone has an understanding of the context as to why decisions were made why certain things are in place you know something new comes into we've heard a lot of horror stories especially around the farming industries where 
you know, previous, you know, the grandfather or, or whatever held the farm for too long and didn't put in place a mechanism to transfer down and communicate with the family members. And you just hear horror stories, be it a tax consequence or be it family relationship breakdowns. And so, you know, we like to think, and you talk about being a, a quality financial advisor, well, our role is really to look a bit more forward for the client, not look backwards and go, oh, if only, well, we need to be a little bit more forward looking and preempt some of the issues that are going to occur with people. And the other thing in the backdrop to that is each year we, we need to do a minimum of 40 hours of um, professional education and that generally involves, you know, reading articles and completing exams and and that sort of thing. And, and we can say, oh, it's no big deal, but, you know, you need to put some quality time across to do that properly. Um, I just saw in the, in the financial review during the week, I think one of the big top four accounting groups had an issue where there was actually cheating on their yearly educational standards where they were passing ex- uh, answers around the office and they got pinged for it and that is not a good thing. And again, that's a part of, as Jason said, moving towards a professional um, a profession where things like that don't happen. So, you know, the advisor that you're dealing with, you know that they're up to date with their education and their standards. And there's definitely no limit, Rodney, as to where you read those articles. So if you happen to be out in Bass Strait fishing, you could still be reading that magazine article, assuming? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's it. Working from home nowadays, you know, you're up at the golf course or out boating. But So, but long, that, so but, long as it's the educational article you're reading and not another article on fishing and rods and whatnot. Yeah, true, true. But no, there's no doubt. I mean, I'm sure we went through times where we found it a little bit frustrating in terms of particularly where you weren't getting the education via seminars and um you know junkets up on the gold coast john but like we were meant to have one this year but again from covid second year running it's not available where you can pick up some easier points and i guess a little bit more social points meeting your colleagues in their profession but um well there's probably an opportunity there isn't there for online education you know get your accreditation points through zoom meetings through you know online forums or online uh you know training modules and this type of thing you guys mm. doing a bit of that definitely and it's part of the process of the new phase of your code of ethic requirements in keeping each other accountable up to date relevant to ourselves to the community to the clients we deal with and engage on that basis Excellent. um i want to come back to some of the things you just mentioned earlier rodney about this idea of you know looking forward and preempting uh the, the the potential opportunities or challenges for some of your clients i mean i would think if if you know without having asked you guys if someone said to me what's a great financial advisor i'd be thinking well that's probably someone who's looking out for my future or keeping an eye to the ground or an ear to the ground so to speak about what's coming up and if they see an opportunity or they see a change coming up in legislation or you know an investment opportunity they're gonna raise the flag or knock on the door and come approach me about it you guys do a bit of that oh no doubt and that's a part of that ongoing relationship and uh, I guess with this consent process that the clients that are really engaged and looking for that roadmap, I guess, of their financial affairs longer term, that's where that will c- continue to, to occur for sure. Probably one to ask of any listeners out there who, you know, could be from circles well and truly outside of your own or they might be from overseas. You know, if you've got a financial advisor you're using and they haven't been looking out for you or reaching out, you know, give them the call and maybe put the challenge to them. Um, or elsewise if you know if that's not well received start looking around so 
you know, if someone was in that situation and they're looking to get a new financial advisor, what are, say, two or three key attributes each of you would think they should be looking out for in somebody? I think it's a question of if, if it's a potential new client that comes through, it's a question of re-engaging the whole process with them from the outset. Uh, they may have investments in place, strategies in place, but is it appropriate for their needs? Uh, you've got to really strip it back, get to the beginning, go through the process uh, and ensure that all the advice that you provide is based on the client's needs, that they're fully informed, formed, they've given consent to the direction. I don't think you can shortcut the process. It's not about critiquing other professionals within our sector, but definitely trying to get clarity around what the client has compared to what they need. Yeah, yep. And I think in that, Jason, that clients are attracted to advisors that they they can relate to probably as well. I mean, we come from a background of being self-employed and running a business and a company and holding trusts and all that sort of thing. So obviously at a partner level, um, we're going to attract a certain type of client, aren't we? And I know, Jason, you've got a bit of a specialisation in probably industry down here with the engineers and and that sort of thing um there's a specialization there with you know maybe the medical side as well and and maybe the self-employed market so you're probably going to see that john and i think like people in the old days you'd read the fpa guidance and they might say well you know ask your advisor are they doing what they're recommending and and that sort of thing too i don't think we really get that direct question but there's no doubt during dialogue and conversations is people want to know that you're doing the right things for your your own family like you've got good life insurance or income protection in case you have an accident or or um you know you're following a superannuation plan with a longer term goal for yourself you know a bit of a lead by example scenario yeah i I think so um what's the saying that you attract what you are (laughs) 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 so Yeah, so there's no doubt about that. And there's definitely segments of advice, you know, obviously the industry fund area, they're they're now promoting advisors and and that'll suit a certain segment too. So there's definitely segmentation in the advice market. But for the consumer, how do they know? It's probably not that easy for them to really know and maybe doing a thing like a, a podcast where you're talking about your process and your own ethos and views maybe that's something that needs more groups need to to get involved with to provide a little bit more transparency it is a risk it's probably a risk for us in this forum um but you know it's all about consent and transparency and openness maybe it's the way forward definitely client care quality process professional commitment uh doing what you're preaching and advising on basically so if 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 you guys were to meet up with a, a younger professional interested in getting into financial advice and, I guess, wealth management, um, you know, what are the type of things you might steer them towards to do it the right way? Good question. Mm. Yeah, we, we've had a few um, younger ones, I guess, come through and, and look for a bit of d- direction. But it, it seems that I guess it starts with a desire, doesn't it? Like I was outside of uni, I was working for a a credit card organisation and I sort of got to a point where I I felt I wanted to work with people that cared about their money. I probably felt the type of clients we dealt with in that environment 
it, it just wasn't a big priority. Um, so that was probably a driver for me and probably an interest in in the field. But we're definitely seeing the younger ones coming through. I was out playing golf recently and a young guy said to me, oh, Really? You play golf? Yeah, yeah. You play, you play golf and running. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, one of the, the guys in the group, he, he said, I said, oh, what are you studying at uni? He goes, financial planning. I nearly fell over backwards. Like I didn't know. And I said, oh, you'll have to spend some time in the office. And he goes, yeah, it'd be good. Like, but it's definitely changing. Um, there wasn't that career path back in the early days. Like it was more around accounting and we're sponsors out at uh, Federation Uni and that's flowed through from the Monash University days where the the accounting firms were supporting um, those graduations and we've been the only like financial services or advisory group directly doing that but we probably haven't had a lot of interest through the universities but we've noticed recently haven't we've had someone from federation want to come out and look at uh, traineeships or placements and things like that so well i guess it comes back to kind it kind of comes back to the demand um from the broader consumer base you know if people are needing advice or a bit confused by how to structure their superannuation or things like their life insurance or even just you know a bit scared perhaps to be buying shares or getting into cryptocurrencies themselves and they want to be guided by people um then you know there's going to be a demand for advisors and some interest in it i mean and i know we talked about barefoot investor last time and and you know this just this whole idea that um you know people should be looking after their finances and not just leaving it for another day or for another decade or in, into the future i, I recall being a, a a young teenager once and healthy wealthy and wise was on tv on a you know weekly basis and you know i think um uh, i forget the gentleman's name but he he was running the money the money yeah paul cuthrow was money the, running the money column there and he now runs money magazine i think it is um you know, it's brought this type of thinking to the mainstream and either there's a demand for it as a consumer or there's an interest in it to become an advisor. So it's, you know, it's a good dialogue to be having. I guess ultimately what we want is people to be well looked after. Yeah, and I think there's growing, there's definitely growing recognition in the academic sector in regards to the profession and its evolution as well as in the practice of what people learn. So, and that's all come about by the Financial Advisor Standards and Ethics Authority uh, putting at the forefront of people that the profession is learned, it makes assessments, it is analytical, and it provides the advice on that basis uh, compared to just what it used to be historically in pushing a product. And I think Deakin University, Rodney, RMIT, perhaps uh, Federation University or Monash University, they have aspects of the financial planning degree as an undergraduate degree. Uh, as well as a postgraduate master's degree. So it's it's definitely taking shape in terms of being officially and formally recognised uh, from that sector as well as from the general community. Excellent. Well, guys, we're getting close to wrapping up this podcast issue. Before we start sort of winding things up, tell me, was there a couple of other points around, you know, keeping the standards high and, and maintaining your, your educational levels that you wanted to talk about yourself that I haven't, haven't raised yet. Pretty good, John. You've done well. Tell me, uh, how do I improve my golf swing, Rodney? Shoulder turn. <laughs> I reckon probably getting out of the course would be a good start. <laughs> It'd probably be a good start. Yeah, yeah. it's been a, bit, a little bit tough, hasn't it? But something, something to look forward to. Well, it is coming into summer and the weather's going to be a bit nicer. 
Yeah, I think the golf membership's well up at the moment. I don't think people have got many other things they can do at the moment. So it's um it's been a good boom for the golf industry. Yeah, that that and throwing a rod in would be nice as well. Catching a few fish. Mm. Any of those activities we've got to look forward to. So hopefully your restrictions are these and we can we can keep doing it. Um, any last comments, guys, before we wrap up? No, I think just uh, keep informed, uh, keep the process, and try and live the dream. Right. For anyone who's interested in having a more in-depth discussion about the kinds of things we've discussed today one-on-one, feel free to reach out to Rodney and Jason um, at ropan.com.au. That's R-O-P-A-N.com.au. But, of course, you may have your own financial advisor or friend or associate or accountant that you want to talk to. I suppose the themes we, we discussed here today was really about you know trying to find someone who does it the right way, who has got the education who has um, your best interests at heart and um, you know really getting some good solid advice so look guys that's all from us today thanks for listening and we'll catch you in our next installment on conversations on wealth we hope you have enjoyed this podcast please note that the advice discussed in this podcast may not necessarily be suitable to you because it contains general advice that has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. We ask that you please seek personal financial advice prior to acting on this information. To find out more about what was discussed in this podcast or to seek advice, we encourage you to contact the friendly staff at Ropan Financial Services by visiting www.ropan.com.au or referring to the notes in the description. 